me. I'm back. <laughs> Sorry for the long delay. Um, welcome back, or just welcome if this is your first time here, to Nature is Gay. This is the podcast that explores biology beyond the binary. And if you are new here, I've been gone for a while, so, you know, new people, new faces. Every week we bring you stories of sex and gender across all species, the whole kingdom of life, if you will. I'm your host, Cameron, sometimes teacher, sometimes scientist, always curious. And let's just go ahead and get started with this week's topic, which is stump-tailed macaques. I honestly thought I would wait longer into this podcast to get into any sort of primates because their life histories are so extensively researched and not to mention their sex lives too. So I was honestly a little bit intimidated to get into it. It just, it seemed too complicated for my beginner skill set at distilling this information down. But when I started researching this week, I, I just uncovered so many little delightful things about stump-tailed macaques that I just said, fuck it, let's, let's do it. Let's just, <laughs> let's just go for it. And uh, so here we are. We're going to dive right in. We're going to learn together. It's going to be great. Let's go. Macaques are uh, old world monkeys, and they're in the family Cercopithecidae. Cercopithecidae. Other old world monkeys in this family are uh, baboons, which are the genus Papio, and red colobus monkeys, which are the genus Iliocolobus. And the stump-tailed macaque's scientific name is Macaca arctoides. Macaca being the genus name for macaques, and arctoides refers to Arctoridea, which is the clade that includes mustelids, pinnipeds, and bears. Which explains why stump-tailed macaques are also sometimes called bear macaques, because I guess they kind of look like, not bears, they don't look like bears. Maybe red pandas, but they're not bears. I don't know, if you squint and kind of like look at them through like tree branches or something, like maybe you could think it's kind of bear-like, I don't know. I don't really see it. And like I said, they're old world monkeys, so that means that stump-tailed macaques are native to southeastern Asia and live primarily in rainforests. And they prefer primary forests, so like old growth, virgin, um, kind of untouched forest land, but unfortunately because of the loss of this virgin rainforest, they're uh, currently listed as vulnerable. And the current population estimates are actually not known. I couldn't find any kind of number estimate data, anything like that. They are uh, frugivores, which means that they mostly eat fruit, but they also sometimes eat plants and small vertebrates. And when they live near humans, sometimes they'll even raid um, like croplands. So as far as appearance goes, uh, stump-tailed macaques are born very white and fuzzy. Um, they're kind of creepy looking, I'm not going to lie. But they grow to 
about the size of like a one-year-old human baby in terms of length and weight. And they have this very distinctive hairless red face and their face gets darker as they age thanks to like the sunlight. And so that's kind of a general way that you can uh, age them. Their lifespan is about 30 years. One of my favorite anecdotes that I found in doing this research about stump-tailed macaques is about their baldness. So as they age, stump-tailed macaques uh, will become partially bald in a manner that's actually really similar to humans' male pattern baldness, but in the macaques it occurs in both males and females. So it's like starting in the front of along the hairline, the hair starts to thin and kind of move backwards. So in the 80s, researchers were attempting to find a cure or a solution, something to help male pattern baldness. And they started to test this blood pressure drug called minoxidil because one of its side effects was excessive hair growth. So because of the macaques, <laughs> I knew I would do that. Because of the macaques, like balding patterns, they decided to use macaques as their test subjects. And it's actually found to, be really, found to be really safe and effective. So then, you know, it went on to human trials and then was introduced on the market as Rogaine. So that's the story of Rogaine. Thanks, Stumptail Macaques. <laughs> Most of our data about these macaques comes from captive populations rather than free-roaming wild populations. Uh, and there are several main ones throughout the world, mostly within their na natural range, that were um, that I found in the papers I was reading. But um, one interesting population, and one that is actually pretty extensively studied, actually is found in Mexico. So in 1974, researchers at the University of Veracruz introduced stump-tailed macaques to an uninhabited island called Tenexpio in Mexico. And they wanted to study how the macaques would adapt to an environment that's very similar to their native environment, but has completely different flora and fauna. And the macaques actually did really, really well. They adapted really well to living on this island and did so well, in fact, that researchers decided to introduce a second population in the 80s, and you can still find stump-tailed macaques on Tenexpio Island today. But because they're so successful, maybe a little too successful, um, they uh, are actually, their population populations have to be kind of managed, and their diet is supplemented by the university, and they actually do eat bananas, if I remember correctly, which is kind of cute. All macaques, including the stump-tailed macaque, live in matriarchal societies, meaning that women are the ones kind of at the top of the hierarchy. They hold the power. They have the highest ranking positions. Um, there's And there's no clear, like, relational distinctions. Like, they're monogamous or they're um, polyandrous. Uh, I think it's just kind of like a free-for-all, I guess. Um, which is relevant here because uh, homosexual behavior is actually more common in 
multi-male and multi-female primates, as opposed to ones who do have these, um, these uh, structured relationships like monogamy, uh, polyandry, or like polygamy. Homosexual behavior is also found in all sexes and all age classes, which is slightly different from some of the other species we've talked about thus far, where most of the research focuses on like one sex over the other. Um, and so males and females uh, will both readily engage in homosexual acts. The female stump-tailed macaques often will copulate to resolve interpersonal conflicts, which when I read that kind of made me think of this, uh, that like stereotypical straight male fantasy of two girlfriends who are having a sleepover and they just decide to like, oh, we're going to have a pillow fight in our underwear. And then the pillow fight escalates and, oh, we're making out now and now we're going to have sex and, oh, don't tell my boyfriend. Like, that's kind of how that came across to me. But I, I did read a very detailed paper about the sexual relations between female stump-tailed macaques and whether or not they uh, actually are able to orgasm in a similar way to humans. Because in these female-female interactions, there is often, like, the, the mounter, the one who is mounting the other, will often make, like, a very porny, over-exaggerated, like, O face, like, with, you know, a spaghetti mouth, you know. Um, so they're like, well, does that mean that she's having an orgasm? We want to know. And it's also observed more frequently during the female homosexual encounters, as opposed to, like, the females are being mounted by <laughs> male macaques. So the, they studied these, these interactions. The female macaque who was being mounted would behave similarly in a way that they would react to being mounted by a male with like very distinctive behaviors. They would, um, when it got to the point where they, you know, their, their partner was about to climax, they would smack their lips. They like look back at her, uh, reach back, clutch her and kiss her. And then the, the mounting females, uh, the ones who were making these faces that they wanted to investigate were actually fitted with transmitters to monitor their uh, uterine contractions and their heart rate at different times. And the uterine contractions were um, highest when they made these faces, which suggests that they were having an orgasm because that's what you would expect there. So in addition to, oh, we're going to have sex because we're solving, you know, resolving our differences, it, it probably just, you know, it feels good. Uh, another interesting thing to note about the female homosexual encounters is that um, is the duration, how long they lasted, because <laughs> apparently researchers actually did count the number of pelvic thrusts in these interactions, and they counted, like, uh, timed them. So the female-male heterosexual interactions were uh, more than twice as long as the female-female interactions. And there were also more pelvic thrusts during the heterosexual encounters than during the female-female 
homosexual encounters, which to me sounds like stump-tailed macaques have an orgasm gap, just like humans do, and that when the females have sex, they know what they're doing and they don't take as long to <clears throat> finish. Segways are hard. So as far as males go, the um, male homosexual behavior in stump-tailed macaques has been observed uh, at all times, even during the breeding season when you would think that, oh, they're going to be more focused on, on males who, uh, shit, they're going to be more focused on females who are in estrus, but that doesn't uh, seem to be the case. The male, male acts, much like the female acts, included mounting and genital stimulation, but actually rarely did they actually penetrate each other, which I found interesting. I'm not really sure why, unless they just, um, they're not into it. But they did, however, they were observed often uh, eating the semen of the ejaculate ejaculator. They ate the semen after they had sex, which, for the nutritional value, I guess, can't waste that good man milk. I hate that I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I cringe. And the researchers with the male-male uh, sexual acts found that there was a definite relationship between the a male's place in the hierarchy and their role in the sex act, like whether they were the for lack of a better term, whether they were the top or the bottom. And it suggests that a lot of their behavior is sociosexual. So they are asserting dominance or like the females kind of reconciling, practicing for mating later on or um, for tension relief, which don't we all do it for tension relief? In one study, um, homosexual encounters were only observed during uh, mating season when there were plenty of females in heat, but the males would still uh, mount each other. And one male in particular in this study was referred to as Alpha, and he was never observed mating any females. He even a female would like present herself to him, and she he would reject her outright, and uh, instead chose to mate with another male referred to as Beta who seemed to be his favorite because all of the encounters between Alpha and Beta were after Beta had mated or tried to mate with an estrus female because Alpha even would chase females away when Beta would try to uh, mate with the females. So, sounds like jealousy. And uh, like I mentioned before, all of our data about homosexuality in stump-tailed macaques comes from captive populations, not wild, free-roaming populations. So homosexual uh, homosexuality has never been observed in wild populations, which is interesting, and it makes me wonder if it happens or not, you know? Like, is this just somehow a product of restriction that would come with being more of a captive population. I don't know. But both male and female captive macaques show uh, homosexual behavior about 6 to 24% of the time, 
which is pretty damn high for males, uh, homosexual encounters in all age classes. So not just the young ones, like all of the, the like sexually mature males were just as frequent as heterosexual interactions. So a lot of bisexual male stump-tailed cacks out there. That's all I got, guys. That's, that's it for this week. I'm so sorry that it took me so long. Life is hard and lots of things happen. And if you enjoyed it, tell people about it. Let your friends know. I, you know, I want to share this information with a lot of people because I think that it's important. You know, oftentimes uh, in the rhetoric, you know, people who are, people who are homophobic or anti-LGBTQ will, you know, use words like unnatural and that it's, you know, going against God's will or whatever. But clearly it's not, and that's my point. You know, it, it actually is like a very common behavior that is observed in nature, all throughout nature. And I mean, not just gayness, but, you know, like, uh, like gender fluidity, all of the, it's, I call it beyond the binary because nature is not binary in any fucking sense of the word. Like, and there's no easy answers to anything, but it's not black and white. Anyway, I'm going to go now. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And I will hopefully see you all next week. Until then, uh, be well, be curious, and be gay. Bye.